Hi, and thank you for listening to this third episode of Media Mystic. I'm your host, Kristen Harlow. Today, I sit down with psychic medium Juan Francisco to discuss the mechanics of mediumship, residual energy, the existence of low spirits, and so much more. It's an amazing conversation, and I really hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Happy uh, belated Earth Day to you and to our beloved host, Mother Earth. <laughs> yes, happy belated Earth Day. I'm so excited to, to chat with you. Absolutely. I'm so, so happy that you were able to sit down with me. You, you are a psychic medium who I've known for a couple of years, um, and you are a perfect example of someone who trusted enough to simply open to spirit and then communicate what came through. You you didn't start as someone who was uh, really going with the intention of pursuing your mediumship skills. You were just curious and, and really curious about how other people worked, right? And then you found very quickly, I think within a matter of a week or two, that you are in fact a very skilled medium and very connected to spirit. And the way that you <clears throat> deliver messages is usually just so spot on with the sitter, so accurate. And I was wondering if you would share what your experience is um, when you are delivering a message, when you are that connected to spirit, and perhaps it would help to walk us through uh, like a specific message that you delivered without names, of course, um, but just walk us through what that experience is, what you feel, what you know, what you see, uh, just to give us an idea of what an incredibly skilled medium experiences as he or she works. Well, sure. And thank you for saying all that, all those kind words. I really appreciate it. And I, I credit your facilitation of the group that you lead. I credit that a lot for where I am today. And oh. I know I've told you that off camera, but I want to say on camera, on mic too. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, I owe so much gratitude to you, to spirit. Um, the way I see it is I will give myself the credit for being open, but it really is spirit that does so much of the work. I, mm -hmm. And I think I give myself credit for being open and for being willing to develop because I, I know there's so many mediums out there that not don't necessarily work on development and just go with just start at it or putting themselves out there very early and and for me it was important for me not to just have i mean the way that this all started was an experience out of nowhere as i probably probably share with you in the group where i channeled my first soul for a good friend of mine in the physical world one of their loved ones who were passed and it was an utter it was just totally a surprise in the middle of a tarot reading and i thought this doesn't really happen to me. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. The soul is sticking around with me. They're making me feel the way they passed. And that's actually the only time the intensity with which I felt their, it, their fatal injury in that moment, I've never felt that again in any readings I've done since then. That was three years ago. And so it, it kind of freaked me out in like a 
odd word to use, but in a beautiful way. I felt very humbled. I felt very like, who am I to experience this? So I decided to be open. I joined your group. And then the rest is history. And I've really learned how to develop the skill a lot between going to your group, having a mentor here and there. And yeah, for me, because each medium is so different. I, I think that's one thing I want to want to disclaim before I share how it works for me is that each of us are so different. And I don't think it makes one medium better than another. I think what makes, if we want to use the word better, it's just how open the medium is to what they're interpreting and what they're receiving. Mm -hmm. But the rest is really... We each have a different communication style, how we interpret symbols. So for me, um, they make me feel their personality a lot, um, whether they were silly, more serious, uh, they, they, they ran the roost or they were maybe quieter. Um, so I feel their personal personalities a lot. And second, um, not necessarily in this order, an image or it's always usually like a token, like if they left a cross or a piece of jewelry or um, a playing card, like a baseball card collection, they'll show me an item or an image or some type of symbol that has to do with something that we related to to that soul when they were in the physical world. Um, it was very visual and it's all in my head. I don't see spirit walking around me. I um, Sometimes I wish I did, but I feel like if I did, I would be um, scared. <laughs> it's way too scared to even channel. Um, but maybe one day that will change and I'll be open to it. But I think at this point, early in my development, if that were ever to happen for me, um, I, I, I think I realize I'm not quite ready to experience that this early in my development. But so I don't see them next to me as I'm channeling. I don't see shadows. I just feel all these images, personalities, sensations that are coming out of nowhere. And that's how I know it's them. Um, then I just interpret it the best way I can. And sometimes my interpretation is wrong. But if I start by just saying what I'm seeing or feeling, the sitter can help interpret that with me. So it's definitely like a team effort in my experience. Mm -hmm. It's like spirit, me, the sitter. And neither of us can do it. I mean, spirit can do everything, but spirit is using us for a reason. I think neither party, spirit, me, or the sitter, neither of us can do it alone to make sure there's a message that comes through for the sitter. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how it works in my mm -hmm. experience. You you mentioned that the the first time you ever experienced this, you felt uh, deeply how that person lost that life. And and I wonder if the if the reason it came through so clearly then was because you are so your mind was completely out of the way. You know what I mean? You you were you weren't, you didn't even know it was about to happen. And so everything that came through just came through. Whereas now, and, and I think it's the practice of any medium or any spiritual path at all to work, to become as open as possible. And it's not to shun the mind or to denigrate the mind, but in, in these moments of openness, the mind needs to try to be as quiet as possible. And when we allow it to become active, it gets in the way of, of some of the things that are coming through. So I wonder if that's part of it. it it's not something that's noticeable from, from my perspective when I'm watching you, but I wonder if with more, as, as you continue to develop and practice and um, experience different <clears throat> spirits, you will begin to have that. I bet you will begin to have that experience I again. I think you bring up a really valid, a really strong valid point because I, I still struggle. I'm three years into my development. I still struggle with the fear of being wrong. Um, and I, I hear that most mediums do. It's just to different degrees based on where you are in your development, how confident you feel and what's coming through. Um, I do definitely struggle with imposter syndrome across my life, but especially with mm -hmm. this work. And 
I think that day when that happened, I was uh, what happened. What happened specifically is I uh, the the um the strength card in the tarot deck came up, and that's also the Leo card in the zodiac. And I had asked my friend. I knew she had lost this person, but I just asked her, "Is there a Leo in your life that means a lot to you, whether for for good or bad?" And she said his name. I knew he had died. I knew what the year he had died, but I didn't know how he died um, or, or any other details about him. Um, but I just felt like a message was coming through because that card was brought up and I just told her what I was feeling. Just a very encouraging message. The reading ends and then he put this image in my head of the two of them in a car singing a song, like a favorite song or their song. And that's when I, and this speaks to your point. I just thought, this is weird. Let me just go with it and just tell mm -hmm. her, hey, did you have a favorite song? And and she said, I it's that's insane. I actually just bought last week the vinyl version of the our favorite record, our favorite album. And then right after that, I felt this pain in my head, severe pain in my head. And I just felt like, I mean, not I'm trying not to be graphic, but I just felt like I was shot in the head. That's the, immediately what came to mind. And I was too afraid to tell her that because I felt like I didn't want to trigger her or I didn't want to upset her. So I asked our mutual friend who confirmed for me, yeah, I think that's how he passed. And I actually looked up a news article because he was covered in the news. Unfortunately, his passing was covered in the news. Um, I had not read any articles beforehand and it was confirmed that he did pass that way. And mm -hmm. I think because I decided to go out on a limb with what he was showing me about the music connection, it's like, it's almost like, okay, Juan is getting it. Let's give him this very mm -hmm. severe feeling now. <laughs> and, um, and I do wonder, maybe this speaks to your point too i do wonder why that hasn't happened since then i'm not asking for physical sensations because they're not pleasant um i'm just here for spirits to use me as they'd like to use me um, but maybe it may be um i don't know do you do you feel that i mean i have a thought about the the different clairs we tap into i mean i think we can all tap into all clairs but mm -hmm. why some clairs seem to be stronger for some than others sometimes i i feel like we can develop them, but it's also, uh, oh, I don't know how to say it. Like growing up, it would be called like God's will. So I don't want to call it that because for some people, they don't resonate with that. But like right. the will of spirit, like maybe we want to try and develop something, but it's just not our time yet. And it's really up to spirit to determine when we're ready for that. I don't know if you agree with that or, or your thoughts on that. I'm curious. I would absolutely, I absolutely agree that it's, it's all the will of, of spirit of the all that is right. I mean, we, we don't, I, I don't think we really have a say in anything, honestly, that that's my philosophical opinion. I, I think it, it all happens because that's what was going to happen, <laughs> you know, and, and that's it. Uh, maybe there are different realities in which another version of life has occurred, but in this version, this is what's occurred. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I do think that it it's probably both a matter of it being um, being a directive of spirit. And then also I do think the the other aspect of it, which is that some of us just have more propensity in in a certain um, a, a certain, form of communication for lack of a better term you know I, i'm i have very strong clear audience i i hear very clearly i also have um very strong clear cognizance um you know clear knowing of of situations and those go back to childhood you know um i i do see i i i see spirit especially in the third eye um but I also see them in 3D once in a great while. 
And I sometimes wonder if that has to do with, um, I, I get migraines and I wonder if my sensitivity to light plays a role in that somehow, you know, some mm. scientifically, I, I couldn't explain it, but I wonder about that. So I do think it's both ab about what spirit believes or feels or knows that we can process now, and then also our natural gifts and propensities. So you, you've never seen spirit, you've never seen anything. 3d i have uh -huh. just never during a so. reading <laughs> just <laughs> never during a reading yeah it's um and i do see them in my third eye but i have yet to experience a reading like in 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 life yes i have in reading specifically with clients or in a circle or in practice i have not yet um wait but wait there was one time <laughs> <laughs> well there was one time i saw like a swoosh it was like a a brown colored swoosh by like at the corner of my eye that was i remember i remember who i was reading it was a very strong reading mm. um that's one time but in terms of full body like I, I have yet to experience that but yeah i i did as a kid i did see i was on a class trip somewhere i was in an acapella group in college proud acapella former acapella participant um and <laughs> we were like on a state championship trip in orlando florida and we were in a holiday inn just like a regular hotel and i'm walking um if you can imagine a hotel hallway that um one hallway and then there's the hallway continues forward but then you could also turn to the right it's like a t-shaped hallway mm -hmm. and as we were crossing the um the hallway that juts out to the right i saw at the corner of my eye this really brilliant i don't know how to explain it um this golden silhouette of a person and they're i'll call it their aura but like this what was surrounding this golden silhouette were all these rainbow colors a rainbow mm. spectrum of colors and it was at the corner of my eye and then they were, it was as if they were walking through the wall and when i looked because i saw it and i looked there was nothing there mm. and i thought wow what was that and then the other time something like that has happened my grandfather the maybe three days after he passed i saw the grayed out image of a young man again at the corner of my eye while i was putting garbage in the disposal room of my building when i turned he wasn't there anymore and i a friend who is a medium had told me and i knew this when i saw that image that my grandfather was in his life review phase mm -hmm. um my dog is joining us <laughs> perfectly welcome <laughs> so those are the two times that i can remember where i saw full-bodied figures but never if uh, it was it's always at the corner of my eye mm -hmm. which is really interesting but if you think about peripheral vision I'm not a scientist i don't know how accurate this is but I don't know how peripheral vision relates to the subconscious or because we're taking information in front of us while also receiving information like I am now. I can see my altar over here as I look here, like in my peripheral vision. Like, I don't know what it's fascinating. So I don't know if that, if that has anything to do with how open I am or how closed off I am. And that being the reason I can only see things in my peripheral vision or not. Mm. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting point. Um... And it, for some reason, it makes me think of those moments uh, when you're about to fall asleep or even in sleep when you have mm -hmm. uh, experiences that are undeniable and, and how, whether the two are, are connected, the peripheral vision and the, um, whatever that switch is that, that gets shut off and on when we, when we sleep. Um, you, you made me think of an experience that I had that I, that 
I would love to share because I think it will, I think it points to something in terms of the beginning of a potential idea of an explanation of what all of this is. I am in your, your story about being in the hotel in high school. My, my story was in high school as well. And I actually think this might've been the first time I ever saw anything. I was always, as you and I have talked about, and I know this was the case for you too, always fascinated by anything to do with um, anything inexplicable, ghosts, you know, UFOs, mm -hmm. uh, ESP, all of the old-fashioned terms that <laughs> they used to use, yep. um, and that still apply but are named differently now. But I had never seen anything, and then uh, one, and it it involves a cross section, just like yours does, which is interesting. Um, my, my mother and I were driving down this pretty busy, I was about 16, 17. We were driving down this, uh, pretty busy street, um, busy enough that we got to the spotlight and I mean the, the stoplight and there was the option to turn left and that light would be green and this light would be red and you know, that whole thing. So it was pretty busy. And so we got to the stoplight and we were turning left onto a road that is about a mile long, 30 miles per hour. So we stop there and we wait for the light to change and the cars next to us are continuing to go straight through the green light. And I look up and across the street, crossing diagonally toward my mother and I was this very tall man, all dressed in white. He looks like a painter, like a house painter. And he had Einstein hair. He was, like I said, tall, thin, stooped over, just very noticeable and crossing directly into traffic, just walking right through it, not getting hit. Cars weren't hitting him or going through him, but he, he just managed to cross through the traffic. And so I noted him. And then our light turns green. We turn left, get to the other end of that mile long road that's 30 miles per hour, stop at another light. And there is the same man crossing the street diagonally so that he's he was crossing like this toward us and he had been crossing like this toward <clears throat> us. And and somehow it like comes on a parallel, it, hmm. the, the experience of him it was on some kind of parallel line. And I was like, mom, I just saw that guy back there. She's like, I did too, actually. I saw him too. And there, there was no way that he could have gotten to that area. You know, he couldn't have gotten on a bike fast enough, couldn't have walked. It was a mile at least walk. Couldn't have gotten in a car, you know, in front of us. So that wow. was my first, yeah. And and it it just felt, it feels like some kind of time thing. You know what I mean? It feels like he, uh, he was on a timeline that appeared in both places. And it just somehow seems to point to some kind of explanation, if you know what I mean. Like, not we're we're never going to know exactly what's going on but just closer to an idea of what that was because he was exactly the same in both of those iterations mm. of himself he hadn't changed at all in two wow. different places a mile apart and both of us saw him it, it makes me wonder if it was like uh, there there is the term called uh, residual energy that's mm -hmm. used like you know when I'm sure you're familiar, like when energy, like the, me going up and down a staircase every day of my life, I'm leaving an energy imprint and then people beyond my physical life who live, uh, who come after me may be able to catch glimpses of, of that energy imprint. Uh, so I don't know if it's that, but that that's fascinating. Mm. And yeah, that's pretty incredible. That that's wild. That's an interesting way to put it. I, I, I do think it's some kind of residual an energetic residual, like repeat, rinse and repeat, you know, and is that what we're all experiencing when we, when we connect to spirit, what we label as spirit, right. But 
that's a symbol, right? A word is a symbol. So we, we mm -hmm. don't even really, we just have no clue. Yeah. We but... can encapsulate it in just words. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but we're, we're connecting to some, some repeat incident, I guess. Although a lot of times it's interaction. I mean, interactive, it's, uh, the, the spirit or the experience is perfectly present. It's not watching the repeat of anything. It's an actual live experience. Yeah, I think both can be pop. I mean, I, I don't know, actually, I just I've heard so many stories of people like in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, seeing like a band of soldiers marching through the fields, but mm -hmm. the soldiers are not paying any any mind to tourists around. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think that to me sounds like very much sounds like residual energy. But I've also heard stories. Um, my grandfather, in addition to appearing to me that morning in the garbage room mm -hmm. later that at midnight later that day, um, rang my doorbell two times within a half hour and nobody was there. I knew it was him because I asked him to do it the second time and he did it. So wow. it, it was wild. It's it's the most wild thing that's ever happened to me. And it's, it was one of those, um, like in a pre-war building, you have those old boxy doorbells where you have to pull a lever. It's not like a digital, it wasn't a push button, it was a lever. So mm. it's not something that could have been digitally manipulated or could have like had a malfunction because it didn't happen after that either. So that was a really good example of my grandfather interacting with me, but actually doing it on command the second time. Mm -hmm. So I think both are possible. I think, I think we can see imprints of energy because it's neither created nor destroyed. But I think, I don't like to use this word. I'm trying to think of a better word these days, but like, I think there's residual energy and then intelligent energy, which is just mm. the energy that isn't residual. It's actually present conscious energy. Okay. That's, that's interesting because you touched on something I was just about to share, which goes along with that idea um, of, of energy being in everything, right? It's, it's not just in a sentient being energy exists in all things. And um, I, when I was in, in college, I used to spend a lot of time um, at this house that was uh, very old. And at one time, back in history, probably early 1900s, was kind of a party place for the glamorati. They didn't have that word back then, but <laughs> you know th those people. And I think even in the in the early 50s, late 40s, early 50s, I think even like Robert Kennedy would party there, and like Robert wow. De Niro, you know, just kind of people like that who are very well known. Um, and then the school that I went to purchased the house or somebody associated with the school purchased the house and started renting it to students. So it became student housing and fell into some disrepair. But one of the interesting things about it was, and I spent a lot of time at this house. A lot of my friends lived there over the years that I was at school there. And one of the interesting things about it was that the people who lived there way back when, and I think even the people at the time that I was uh, visiting the house would leave items behind when they when they moved out. So, for instance, there was like a 1920s Mickey Mouse viewfinder that was left behind there that you could that was still usable. You know what I mean by that? Those like yeah. red, yeah. Yep, I remember those. Yeah, yeah, like red things. You put the little disc in. Yep, I had one of those it. as a kid. Yeah. Yep, I did too. Yep. And this one was one of the first ones ever made, and that had been left behind by somebody. And so this this house, as I'm sure you can imagine, was very, very active, very active. And uh, I was in my full uh, full bloom of curiosity at that point. I wouldn't talk about anything else really at the time. <laughs> it was probably really annoying to a lot of people at my school, but uh, but you know, you'd hear disembodied voices. You would you would hear footsteps going up and down the stairs, looking directly at the stairs. Things would move on their own, and um, 
one night I was at a pretty big party and there was a, it was a big house and there was a room that was the size of a ballroom. In fact, I think it had been used as a ballroom at one point. Now it was just a party room. And I was in this room and there are a bunch of people. And in the middle of the room was this huge, huge piece of furniture. It, it looked like, uh, it, it must've been a bar of some kind. I think it was, um, chrome and had frosted glass shelves and was probably like, I might be exaggerating, but I think it was like 12 or 13 feet tall. And like, you know, five feet wide, huge, huge piece of furniture, just kind of like askew in the middle of the room. And I noticed it because I'd never seen it before. I spent a lot of time there. I asked someone later and they were like, oh, you you saw our phantom piece of furniture um, that wow. appears in the middle of the room once in a great while. And wow. then then it will be gone. And it did happen one other time, like, you know, I think maybe a year later or something, maybe two years later, it it appeared again. I saw it. I knew at that point what it was. I watched it for a very, very long time. Nothing happened. It remained. But it was just, it didn't interestingly have any kind of feeling to it. It, it was, it seemed like it belonged there. You know, it wasn't like I didn't get any kind of, you know, energetic reading from it or anything like that. Uh, but that was that sounds like what we're talking about which is this energetic um you know uh what's the word that you use imprint yeah imprint mm -hmm. um but still there's energy in that item that allowed it to be an imprint that's pretty amazing yeah that's wild a a phantom yeah. for furniture that's yeah and and who's and i'm comfortable in response to your story saying like i, I don't know what that is because that and mm -hmm. and that's this thing like I, I think i'm starting to get more comfortable with no one really knows this goes back to what you were saying like in terms of words even words encapsulating ideas regarding this i don't think any of us will know all the answers ever until we're in this in the spirit back in the spirit world and um i think I have theories, but I, well, we can always have theories, but like a, like a phantom furniture, I've never heard anything like that before. And maybe, maybe, maybe physical objects do have an intelligent energy I'm not aware of, or maybe it was the soul of a, someone who used to frequent there that was trying to show some kind of symbol or bring attention to something. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes I'm comfortable just saying, you know what, I don't know what that is. No, that is no. so wild. And I, and, and I think the the problem a lot of people have or the struggle people have is when they don't understand something they just want to disregard it or dismiss it and um anything is possible anything is possible that would be a hard one for people to believe i know but but it it, it is it, it is true and and i've heard of i actually i had a, i won't go into the long story of it but i had another experience involving a piece of furniture as well in that same neighborhood wow um, i don't think it's connected with the with the, i don't think it's that the neighborhood has a furniture thing i think it's just that the neighborhood is so active so active it's yeah little italy in the bronx um oh, okay but, but uh but there there are many people who have experienced um, furniture that is connected to some kind of <clears throat> spirit, energy, person, experience. And so I, I resonate with what you said, that perhaps that bar was just a very, very active part of that house for a very long time. And some powerful energy frequented that, maybe even, even died from alcohol abuse or something like that and therefore it's a an imprint and mm -hmm. it's more connected to that being than it is to the furniture itself yeah
but that's a pretty powerful being nonetheless. Yeah. Well, I've, I do, I have definitely heard stories of, this is a little bit different, uh, like as opposed to furniture appearing out of nowhere. And, um, <laughs> but like, I mean, I think you even shared your story about like Robert the doll, you know, and I mm. hope you don't mind me bringing it up, but, nope. um, yeah, it's, there's things like that, like objects that carry energies that, and then I have a friend whose mother, when she was a little girl, her mother bought a piano, like a mini, I forgot what they're called, like one of those mini, not a full grand piano, but a mini one from an antique store. And when they brought it into the house, it was, they had honestly very terrifying experiences. Really? Yeah, like she would wake up. My friend remembers someone breathing on her while she was asleep. It would wake her up in the middle of the night. She was seeing shadows go from room to room in the hallway. Mm, um, I'm getting there was, really... I'm, I'm experiencing that fear. There was a that... lot of depressing energy. Yeah. And when they got rid of the piano and I would have burnt it, but, but they gave it away to somebody for free who was interested. <laughs> um, I would have blessed literally the hell out of that. Piano. <laughs> but, um, but, and that's another topic, hell, but anyways, but yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah, she, when they got rid of this piano, it just night and day, huh. you know? Wow. How fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about the idea of evil spirits. I, I don't have an, uh, I lean more towards we all go to the same place, but I'm not going to confidently say that there is nothing evil on the other side. Cause I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. know. I've definitely heard stories that make me believe otherwise. Um, I, I just find it all really fascinating. It's hard to say it. It's hard. The, the word evil does seem like the best word to use in in this question, but it also is such a loaded word. It's mm. it's associated with morality and with religion, and it it turns me off for sure. The the word just because it's it's not quite what we mean, I don't think. But there there's no other word that isn't insulting, you know, yeah. um, to use. And and so I i agree i i think that we all go to the same place too i i wonder if that energy is i mean we're powerful beings humans and and all sentient beings are powerful powerful beings and so are we able to personify entities for <laughs> i make up a word there <laughs> uh the the um collective unconscious you know are we able to create from our from from whatever it is our un tapped feelings, our anger, our rage, unexpressed, and does it become an entity that then mm. has its own, um, is animate, you know, in, in a way, I don't know, have you, have you had any personal experiences with anything that you would say is that entity personally? Mm. No. And when I thought that I did, I realized later that it was my fear painting the picture and it wasn't actually evil, if that makes sense. I, there was, when I was in Gettysburg actually at this one, um, the Farnsworth house Inn, there mm -hmm. was a very terrifying moment that happened, which is something knocked over a chair above our heads. And it was a really loud bang. So because it came out of, first of all, <laughs> we were at, and when this happened, we were in a cellar that they had decorated very frighteningly. It was, I and the, I was actually- I know the cellar. I was, and you know, the Warrens were known to, the Warrens were there yeah. in the eighties, I think, or the seventies. And so they have this mirror there that Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, I think was her name. Um, 
the wife of the, the no, couple. No, that's the that's the senator. Oh my um, goodness, <laughs> Lorraine. Lorraine. Lorraine Elizabeth, Warren. If now if Elizabeth Warren starts to pick up criminal investigation, I, I may just vote for her again. Yeah, <laughs> um, Lorraine Warren. So she had told them, "You need to get rid of this mirror in the cellar," but they they had a shaman cleanse and they brought it back but she told them get rid of it so the mirror's still there people tell you they tell you like go up to the mirror and do whatever <laughs> so <laughs> i don't mess with that stuff i like whether i be really believe in it or not i just i'd rather not mess with it but they decorated the cellar like a very depressing victorian funeral parlor with really mm -hmm. creepy images up so that that is setting the tone for me as someone who likes spooky things and then this loud bang above my head i'm thinking it was something evil that, that made this loud bang because of the environment I'm in, the, the loudness of the sound. And I even asked the psychic um, at that time, a psychic mentor of mine, like, please clear my energy. I'm really scared. And whatever the psychic did helped me. But I think now I realized, no, we asked them, can you make a noise? And they made a noise. Mm -hmm. so, um, so I to answer your question, uh, long story short, I don't feel like I've ever come across anything evil or bad. Um, Low energy, maybe. I, I think that's where I want to make the distinction. Because to that's me, that's a good evil, way to put it. Low energy, like low spectrum energy, or yeah. Because when I've gone to like in Savannah, Georgia, I, I fell in love with Savannah, Georgia, and there were some places there where I felt like, um, almost like when you have like a Debbie Downer in a social group, you just know, <laughs> that's how it felt like. It wasn't something evil, but you could feel like, oh, okay, well, the energy's kind of. Mm, it's it's not pleasant but it's not evil it's just kind of like eh, you mm -hmm. know and i've experienced that walking into rooms before um but i have yet to like in readings i i have not come across anybody coming through even there have been people that the, like a sitter has told me they don't want to talk to they had a bad relationship with but when that soul comes through i don't feel that they're a bad soul but they mm -hmm. do take responsibility for what for how they harmed somebody um but outside of that no, that was a very long answer to your question, but I have not no, experienced anything evil or menacing. Um, I hope I don't, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I have, I, I have had uh, personal encounters with, with that energy uh, and such that it was, uh, it started at a certain point. I think I was probably, I think I was about 15 years old when it, when it started and it followed me. I had numerous experiences with the same energy uh up until I was you know in my early 20s um and I was I was really ashamed of it it seemed like I couldn't tell anyone about it except for the people who experienced it with me there were there mm. were people who experienced it with me and that's not totally true I I used to tell people about this one of these experiences on a regular basis to the point where <laughs> one of my friends had to be like stop calling me at three o'clock in the morning to back you up on the thing that happened please uh but but I I I didn't what I really didn't did, felt ashamed of was that I felt that this energy had somehow become attached to me because I asked for it. Like I, I, you know, delved into the Ouija board stuff when I was very young and, um, and opened that door. And, and I went so far as to feel that some of my personal life had been affected by this energy, which is what I was ashamed of. And I felt embarrassed to say, and 
because it sounds cuckoo and most of the people in my life at the time would think it was cuckoo and would say so, you know, so I, I kept it to myself. I don't anymore. I don't feel that way. And I, I don't keep it to myself anymore, but, and I don't believe it either. I don't think that my personal life was actually affected by this energy because I don't think this energy has power over me, but nonetheless, it, it is an energy that is um, very heavy, very powerful and, and has hate associated associated with it. Um, I think it can also be transmuted into the mm. light, but, but it's a, it's a real, it's definitely a real, um, palpable energy form. Yeah. I, you know, what's coming up for me as you say that is, I think that there is a lot of choice in the universe, obviously, and as we know it and in, in the spirit world as well. And I've heard and read near-death experiences where people have died and then a voice or a re relative who's passed, a guide asks them, do you want to stay or do you want to go back? And I thought that's so interesting because everything that I was taught growing up is it's not up to you. Like you, you die and you're told where you're going to go <laughs> up mm -hmm. or down, sideways, limbo, mm -hmm. purgatory. Um, and so I thought it's interesting that a lot of people have been asked when they have crossed over whether they want to to come back or not so that makes me think or theorize can say for sure that maybe like if i'm a person who has harbored a lot of hate in the physical world or a lot of depression um and didn't had no desire to seek help for myself that maybe i am holding on to that as i pass and i'm holding on to it on the other side and like you were saying that part of me you were alluding to this before that part of me is staying here or maybe i've decided as a soul to stay here because i'm way too we use the word grounded in a kind of negative connotation mm -hmm. i'm way too grounded in my physical life experience to be able to go cross over to the light mm -hmm. and I, i've heard that word being used before the word grounded like sometimes we can be way too grounded in our materialistic things and our physical experiences and there has to be a balance right between our chakras and the, between the root and up to the god chakra so i think it's i think it is possible for i'll speak for myself for me to have to harbor so much anger that it makes me want to that i want to stay and feel like i'm I'm not letting go of something and that's mm. why i think when people describe a ghost quote unquote they use the word stuck but i really think that soul is deciding to harbor resentments and harbor something that's keeping them here mm. and i wonder if in in life as, as we live it in each life um if if we work to find that balance we have an easier time making that transition. I mean, it's it's kind of like what the Buddhists say in the Tibetan Book of the Dead about preparing for uh, for death by on a daily basis, meditating on it, accepting it, making it a normal part of your experience, knowing that in any moment it could be your final moment on this plane, and then that way, as you're transitioning, you're in peace rather than in fear, and then can make that transition peacefully and have a better reincarnation, or better isn't the word that they use, but a, a more peaceful reincarnation as well. Um, not a hungry ghost, you know, not a, mm. not a bad spirit, uh, but rather a human, which is the ideal incarnation. It sounds like the same kind of thing. It's, it's an inability to make the transition. And so maybe that's a hungry ghost. Maybe that's what the Buddhists are referring to as a hungry ghost. One that is here because of an inability to go there, kind of. 
Yeah. And, and if, if someone's identity, sense of self-identity is so rooted in the things they possess or so it's so rooted in abusive relationships or people that they've resented or hated um to me then it's no surprise that because our identity is so rooted in these things of the physical life that something about themselves is going to be held not held back again choice they're going to hold themselves back somehow here again i don't know if what i'm saying is fact or not i'm just theorizing nope. but to me it it there's a part of me that thinks that makes sense and that mm -hmm. that kind of for me validates more this belief I have that we do have a choice, just like we have a choice in how we behave or act in our physical lives. We have a choice in how we experience our afterlife too. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and I feel, you know, of course we don't, of course we don't know that any of what we're saying is any, you know, has any validity at all, but number one, of course it has validity to us in our own experience. But then also number two, I think that everything you personally strongly believe to be true and connect to intuitively probably has some basis in fact it's just that when the final reveal is is shown to you when when you see the real truth behind all that is you see that little glimmer of of what you felt to be true but there's no way you could possibly have fathomed it fully in mm -hmm. this suit right so yeah eventually that truth will become clearer to you but it's just now just a grain of a grain of truth. I do also believe that the spirit world, the universe molds itself to our frame of reference. So some people, when they pass, they see the Virgin Mary. Some people pass, they see Jesus. Some people pass, they see another religious figure they associate with. And um, I think those are all valid experiences. I think the universe molds itself to what our, well, these are stories of people who have passed and come back though. Maybe mm. that's a key too. And it seems like at least for those who have had near-death experiences and have come back, it's as if the universe or the spirit world was able to deliver a symbol or a message to them in a way that, let me put, let me see if I can get this right, in a way that that soul, when it's back in the human body, could understand. Because that mm -hmm. is the experience of that human is to believe in those figures, that frame of reference. So again and, and the, the intelligence i mean the spirit world is so intelligent and can do anything and everything so i i think it speaks to like each person's personal belief and experiences are valid and those experiences can shape how we experience the process of dying and the afterlife mm -hmm. and and all of those those symbols and belief systems that that create our experience in the afterlife or in a near-death experience or in a psychedelic experience, whatever it may be, I think that they are all coming from the same blueprint. You know, it's, it's a different storyline behind the same blueprint. So it's just like you said, it's your own, it's your human translation of a thing that is ineffable, you know, and, it, and it's how you come to understand the ineffable by creating the storyline that most suits you to understand it. If you are a person who connects with the Virgin Mary, then, you know, the Virgin Mary is going to be your source of strength. If you're a person who connects with Lord Shiva, that that's the person or that's the being that's going to translate to you the, the meaning of compassion, love, forgiveness, and, and the all that is. Uh, so it's definitely individual, but in the end, it's all the same thing, right? It's just yeah. our different way of understanding it. That makes um, life more interesting, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and being 
I, I, I am a person who is, I'm interested in all facets of spirituality. I'm interested in Hinduism and interested in Islam. I'm interested in Buddhism. I'm interested in Christianity. All of it, I think, is coming from the same place. The truth behind it all is the same. Did you just shift your camera? I did, yep. Oh, I was hearing one thing. Was it spirit? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was me. Okay, it was never me mind. playing with the wire. <laughs> all good. All good. <laughs> Got excited for a moment. Like spirit yeah. confirms. <laughs> well, one, this absolute spirit confirm. Here, we'll, we'll let them confirm again. There you go, spirit confirmed. <laughs> um, this has been a really amazing conversation, Juan. Thank you so much. Thank for... you. It's a pleasure. Yes, it has. So amazing. Um, and I can't wait to do it again. Do you, you have a couple of things. First of all, you have your own amazing podcast that I love to listen to third eye sight, right? Yes. Um, yes. on Spotify, on Google and on Apple. Correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. That's, that's an awesome one. Third, third eye sight. And then what, what else? What's your website? Yeah. My website is juanfranciscospirit.com and you can find me on Instagram with a Juan at Juan third eye. Okay. And all social media with that username. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. This was great. Thank you. Said. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much. It was. And to all of our viewers, thank you so much for listening. And we love you.